Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Pastor Larry Davis. Who wants a mohawk? <laughs> yeah, A-team. <clears throat> awesome, let's get me fired up. Man, worship just like rocked my socks off. I don't know about you guys, but that was, that was awesome. <clears throat> Literally, I don't have socks on, so I'm good to go. <laughs> Well, I'm glad to be with you guys this morning, and uh, we're doing week two of Bless This Home, and last week we talked about hungering and thirsting for righteousness, and what does that look like? What do we hunger for in our home, and um, how to make our home a home that hungers and thirsts for righteousness? And today we're talking about uh, blessed is the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God, and uh, we know that many of us are in homes um, that feel like we have peacetakers. We just want a little like a kuna matata time and somebody's got to go mess it up. So next week, I want to actually give you guys an opportunity to participate next week right now. So we've never kind of done this before. I want to like push the envelope for some of you guys uh, for social media stuff. But you have two options for next week. Option number one is that we talk about um, blessed is those who are pure in heart or blessed are those who are uh, persecuted for their just righteousness. So for their righteousness. So pure in heart or righteousness. So how how are you going to let me know what we're going to talk about next week? You can tweet me, <laughs> or uh, if you cannot figure out how to do that, <laughs> uh, you can go ahead and go on our Facebook page. And I've already set it up so you guys can go on there and vote. So we need you guys to vote. So pure in heart is on there too to remind you. Pure in heart or uh, persecuted. And that's what we'll talk about next week. So you can tweet me. My Twitter is Sir underscore Lawrence underscore D. I mean, yeah, underscore D, yeah. Uh, and then, or if you just have your own Twitter account, just hashtag Engate. Just say um, persecuted or just say uh, pure in heart and then hashtag Engate. All right? So try that one out. Like five people are going to do it. I'm so excited. <laughs> so I shared with you guys some cool statistics last week. Um, some of you guys may not have been here. Some of you are here. And um, I'm going to share these same kind of statistics again just because we are a part of something really special. And it's really just our testimony. And it's my testimony of being here and a part of this church and some things that are going on. So if you've heard it before, awesome. You're going to hear it again. We get to celebrate together. If you haven't heard it before, um, this is awesome. We're going to celebrate. So I want you guys to know, first off, you know, we started off with um, the church, the American church today is in... Uh, a decline. It is not in a good condition that just this last year, over 3,500 churches closed their door. Done. Closed shop. And it's really sad. That includes church plants for the first time. That includes churches that have been around for like 150 years. Um, This year, it's already projected on that that number could reach 7,000 churches could close their door uh, just this year. So the American church is in some sort of rapid decline. Only 15% of churches today in 2013, are growing. Half of all churches didn't add a single member through conversion this last year. Not even one single person. Only 21% of Americans actually attend church. But if you ask around, about 80% or just over 80% of people say, I'm a Christian. You, know, you have to ask, well, I have to pick, yeah, I'm a Christian. But only about 20% or excuse me, 21% actually attend church on somewhat of a regular basis. More than one in four congregations have had fewer than 50 people in their pews. Have fewer. More than one in four congregations have fewer than 50 people. That's a part of their church. But yet, 
80% of people are declaring that they're Christians, and 80% of churches are declining each year. So I, uh, this is Mark's anniversary I talked about last week, but again this week, uh, for three and a half years. I've been here for three and a half years now, moved out here from Arizona. Um, it's been a wild ride. It's been a fun ride. It's been something fun to look back on just this last couple weeks. And so I started, you know, when my wife and I first came out here, we talked about doing like a little Californian dreaming. Like, what's this going to be like? What are we going to be a part of? We want to be a part of something that's bigger than us. And so we came to this church in Northgate, and we were excited to be a part of the 15%. We wanted to be a part of a growing church. And I would have never dreamed the things that I've gotten to be a part of and the things I've gotten to see in the last three and a half years. When I first came out here, it was going to be a July. We came out here in March. That July 2010, we had a good year. Our average, just to mark this last July to help you out, our average that July was 383 people. So it was cool. It's a great market. We had people coming up here. We'd been up on this property for four years or so, five years. And uh, so we were like a great church. The following year, though, unfortunately, we kind of fell into the gauge of the 80%. And that year, we averaged, on that July 2011, 343 people. We were going through some things. We were trying to figure out who we were, what was going on. And we were a part of that group, that 80%, which most churches are a part of, trying to figure it out and how to be in community. But just a year and a half ago, something changed. Something kind of flipped the switch. And things began to happen. God really, his blessing came out of those places. We, we made some decisions together as a faith community that really changed some things that we do and the way that we act. In July last year in 2012, we grew by almost 100 people and we went to 424, which was our average attendance in July. This July, friends, just 11 days ago, our average grew by 133 people from the year before to 557. I would have never dreamed, yeah, you can clap for it. I would have never dreamed that I was going to be a part, really be a part of the 15%, that I was going to be a part of a growing church. So some churches, like I told you before, don't even have 133 people in their church, let alone see 133 people in the life of their church. I would have never have dreamed I would have been a part of the 15%. Through this crazy idea where we all say we'll give four quarters for everybody in the room. 20 months ago, we had this nutty idea to step out on faith and do this thing called the Dollar Club. Through God's amazing power and blessing, what would happen? I don't know. Hey, everybody, let's give a dollar. (laughs) And we're all going to see what God does with it. We're going to challenge it. And we're going to give it away. And so the staff, we sat there and said, wait a minute. What if like only 30 people give money and we only get like $30? Are we still going to give five, $600 out? And we in faith said, ah, oh, yeah, let's try it out. And so we, we wanted to change the way people view the church. And so we said, okay, no matter what, if people give their dollar, if they don't give a dollar, we're making a commitment on faith in this community to unleash compassion and to do this dollar club thing. And through this crazy idea, over 20 months, we've been able to bless 94 families with just under $46,000. To give you guys some perspective and some testimony of where we've been and what God is doing in this place, I looked back just to 2000, from year 2000 to 2011, December of 2011, so one month short of 12 years, I looked 
to see what we had given, which was good, what we had given. But we had given in those almost 12 years span, we gave $11,000 out to those who were hurting and needing in the community, which was good because we were doing what we could and we were asking God to bless it and to use it. But I never would have dreamed that in 20 months we would have quadrupled that. That in 20 months, the last 20 months, instead of 12 years, we would have given out almost $46,000. I never would have dreamed to have seen 428 new people just in the last year come through Northgate, whether they wanted the free iced coffee or not. (laughs) I never would have dreamed that when I came here, there was 32 kids birth through fifth grade going to dig, or at that time, our children's ministry. I never would have dreamed that we would have been averaging 112 kids on a weekend right now and the impact in families' lives. I never would have dreamed that in the last three and a half years I would have seen us, this group, this faith community, um, come alongside of and adopt and sponsor over 300 orphans in countries around the world. Never would have dreamed that one year ago, last week, we took a group of 18 people, including five students, to Africa to do a missions trip to dedicate wells to feed the hungry I never would have believed that in the last three and a half years we would have raised raised over $90,000, drilled eight wells in three years, providing clean, safe drinking water for over 100,000 people, mostly kids. And I never would have dreamed the community events we've been a part of, the, the, the part of community that we're able to be a part of and in and provide and be... I never would have dreamed that in just this last year, the community events that we as a faith community and a church have participated in or put on ourselves in the community, we have seen and come alongside of and touched over 10,000 people. Never would have dreamed that we would have baptized almost 100 people in the last year and a half and only 11 the year prior. We have baptism next week, just so you know. <laughs> Never would have believed the, the, the countless, I mean, hundreds of Thanksgiving meals in just the last two years we've provided to families in need of a meal for Thanksgiving and for the Christmases and the stuff that we've sponsored, been able to give families Christmases, and it's amazing. It's simply like mind blowing, and I am so thankful. And I want you guys to be so thankful because we are a part of something so special. We are a part of God's blessing. And it is on this place, and it's us together. We're a part of it, and it's awesome. We should be grateful. Two weeks ago, there was a column in CNN, the Belief blog, and it was entitled, Why Millennials Are Leaving the Church. And it went viral, mostly because the words millennials leaving a church were in the headlines, so everyone was interested in what they had to say. And the, the number one line in there that was most commented on or had the most discussion to it Uh, was this line, a sentence says, um, the millennials, we're not leaving the church because we don't find the cool factor there. We're leaving the church because we don't find Jesus there. Scary, sad, but kind of exciting at the same time. Because friends, I think we're pretty cool. (laughs) I'm going to go with it. (laughs) I think we're kind of cool. But you know what? All those things that I just told you about, I think Jesus is here. And that's what's most exciting. And the coolest part is that we don't have to worry about being cool because we got Jesus. And we can see evidence of his work in this place and in our lives. One other thing I never would have dreamed of 
is something I'm going to share with you guys today is that we would be on a new adventure and endeavor um, of building a student center. Uh, some of you guys may not know, uh, we have no place for the students to go. There was like a lot, I'll just say a lot of kids over here. <laughs> uh, they just left and they're in a little conference room and they're like sitting on the table on each other and like it smells super bad in there because it's a super tight place. We have to go in there for meetings on Tuesday and they're like airing our building out. No. <laughs> Um, no, they have no place to go, and so we've got a growing student ministry, and young families come in here, and we're excited because we're like, we need to give them a space, and so I'm excited to tell you today that we, we have been totally blessed, and we're totally stepping out in faith, like now, um, so we started going around, like, what can we do? How can we do this? And so we called around, and we got a hold of the Vallejo School District, and they happened to be demoing some portables that they weren't going to use anymore. And so we're like, wait a minute, <laughs> let's talk. And so uh, they said, yeah, you can have them for free. You can get them out of here. But like for reals, we're going to tear them down like tomorrow. <laughs> like literally like tomorrow, they were like out. Um, so we stepped out in faith. We like jumped on this. And uh, just on Friday, we had four 12-foot by 40-foot sections of buildings show up uh, on our campus because we're like, we don't know what we're going to do with them. We've got to get them here. <laughs> Because then they're going to go away. And so um, we have some ambitious goals. I never would have dreamed we would have been doing this and been a part of this. But we want to open up this, um, this almost 2,000 square foot space, 40 by 48 space for students in a month. You think we can do it? Okay. Good. Because you're going to help. <laughs> So Pastor Ken later will come and talk about some ways that we can help, but we need people to come alongside this project. And we've taken a step in faith, and we haven't tried to make some sort of bad financial decision, um, but it costs money. It costs money just to get it here, uh, to get it through the city. And so we want this thing to happen in a month, and it's right around $60,000. We've already put a lot into it. Um, We believe it's what's next for us. We believe it's the most important thing that's going on on our campus right now. So if you're interested in the way out, we have like a table. We're going to have a table and we're going to talk about this for three weeks. We're going to talk about what's going on, how you can help. We're going to give you updates, give you pictures. You guys can just check out, check out the table. We have some like ideas of what we think it's going to look like, some things we want to get. You can ask questions to myself, Pastor Ken, Luke. Pastor Luke will be out there next to the table. So if that's you, um, we're going to be talking about for the next three weeks. We're going to ask people to, to step out in faith and give above and beyond. And Pastor Ken will kind of share us with that later. So I am excited. Never would have dreamed it would happen. I hope you guys are excited with me as well. So today we're talking about bless, uh, bless this home and continue this series. You guys can take out. I have some notes there for you guys to take. And today we're talking about the peacemakers. Last week we talked um, about um, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Um, we're in the book of Matthew. It's in the Bible. It's in the first book in the New Testament. If you just open it up right to the middle, you're going to need to go to your right just a little bit. It's like two-thirds of the way in there. And in Matthew chapter 5, there was eight beatitudes or blessings that um, Jesus uh, was talking about. So we've kind of taken them and worked them into the family. This works for your family. This works for your spouse. This works in the workplace. You don't have to have kids for this to make sense to you. And so we talked about how when we see homes, we don't see, we don't think of a lot of homes like being blessed. We don't look at them and be like, they are so blessed. You know, we want to be. We have a little sign above our fireplace that says, bless this home. Um, we have it in front of our front yard. We're like, 
really wanting it to happen. We're just thinking about it and hoping it's going to happen. But many of us look around and we don't think that. And the same goes for peace in your home. Uh, how many of you guys would look at your home a lot of times and say, yeah, my house is a house of peace? No, you're not going to raise your hand. <laughs> I'm not even going to make you. We don't do that. Um, a lot of it is characterized by conflict, not peace. And, and that's because a lot of times we have dysfunctional relationships or challenging family, right? How many of you guys feel like every family has it? Every family has it. You have like a crazy or the psycho or just the, <laughs> the rough family member. Okay, the rough family. Raise your hand if you, if you know somebody in your family, whether it's your immediate family or outgoing family. Okay, so hold your hands up if you had your hands up. So every family has it, so I want you to look around, because if you're not holding your hand up, it might be you. Because <laughs> every family has it. People are still holding their hands up. No, nope, I'm going to make sure everybody sees this. It is not me. <laughs> uh, we all have these challenging relationships. My kids, uh, they're funny. They're like, you know, WrestleMania at my house. You know, my daughter um, and my son are playing the trampoline all the time, and they like to wrestle. And so they were going at it the other day, throwing each other around, and thank God we have a net around the trampoline, best invention ever. <laughs> and so uh, she's got them like, I can see it happening, it's like slow motion. She's like thinking about it, has him in this wicked headlock, and she's like going to toss him up and like plow drive him. And so I think he realizes it and like wraps himself, like all the way around her, and it was one of those, you could see it going like, you go, we go. <laughs> so... Sure enough, man, whoom, plow drives them in. They bonk heads, you know, all stuff. And it's like, oh, gosh, you hurt me. No, you hurt me. And that's how it went. You hurt me. No, you hurt me. And then they went, let's do it again. <laughs> right? That's how we do things, right? We, like, do that with each other in our relationships. Like, you hurt me. No, you hurt me. And then you're like, okay. And then you do it again. Like, it's no big deal. We have a dysfunctional relationship. We have, we don't have a lot of peace in our homes. A lot of times we don't have peacemakers. We have peace takers or, or just in our family. It's rough. We have a lot of us that uh, our moms keep trying to tell to raise our kids. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. Um, your kids are always fighting and you've counted to three and they didn't stop so you got to 40 and it still hasn't stopped and you're doing things you never thought you would have done before. Like I'm going to pull over the car and then you're not pulling the car over, and then at the end of the day, you just want to take a bath and a glass of wine and just forget it. <laughs> you're teenagers, you're like, oh my gosh, my parents are so controlling. Um, we're married into these blended families now. We're trying to raise her kids, his kids, our kids, the grandkids, um, the exes in the picture. How is this ever going to be like a peaceful place, right? You're, you're asking yourself, how is there ever going to be peace in this home? Or maybe you're sitting here and you're like, man, I, I'm an adult and I still can't forgive my mom or my dad for some things that have happened. But Matthew 5, 9 says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called a child of God. Blessed are the peacemakers because they will be called children of God. Can you imagine what that looks like to be called a child of God? For someone to look at you and be like, you're a peacemaker. You must be a child of God. That doesn't mean... The, the word peace doesn't mean the absence of trouble, right? That's not what they're talking about when they were saying the peacemakers. It's not that there's an absence uh, of trouble, just like, hey, I want you to have peace and love today, just a good moment. Now, when, see, when Jesus was talking uh, to this group of people, and it could be a similar group just like ourselves, 
Um, he was talking about a shalom, a peace of the highest good that's everlasting, a peace that's the most good for everyone in this place, in this household, in this area that's long-lasting. And so this would have been super shocking, a super shocking statement, because just like a lot of us in this room, it was then too, of like an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a punch for a punch, right? You did something to me, I'm going to get you, and I'm going to get you when you ain't looking. I'm going to get you better. And you need to know that you have a right to be angry, because we'll say that. Well, I should be able to be angry about that. I can't be like, oh, bummer. Let's have peace and hugs. Uh, No, you have a right to be angry at a lot of things that happen in our life. You have a right to be offended. You have a right to be hurt. You have a right to yourself first. But I want you to understand that putting yourself first a lot of times is to put peace last. So to put yourself first, a lot of times is to put peace last. I gave you guys uh, some notes in there to kind of take in just a minute. I'm going to give you some fill in the blanks. I'm going to start kind of going kind of quick. But this idea of peacemakers, I want you to know, is different than peacekeepers. How many of you feel like you're a keeper of the peace? Yeah, you raise your hand. I'm a peacekeeper, right? How about a peacemaker? I'll make peace. A couple of us. Okay, so we're going to switch that because there's a huge difference between a peacekeeper This is the deal. Peacekeepers often avoid conflict to keep the peace. We'd rather go around the issue than through it. We want to make like the truce. We're like, hey, Akuna Matata, like it's all good. Let's hug and make up. Or we will not have this meal and have you guys bickering back and forth. You're going to eat this food and like it. (laughs) Don't talk to each other like that. We're having dinner. This is family dinner. (laughs) We want to make the truce. We don't want to get close to the conflict. You're a peacekeeper. You're not at work. Uh, the same sort of thing. You're just being cordial all the time, and you're around one another, and all of a sudden, next thing you know, everything kind of explodes. And you're like, rah, 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 where'd that come from? Well, it's because you were trying to be a peacekeeper. Somebody's trying to be a peacekeeper. You never worked through the issue. And that's what's unhealthy about being a peacekeeper. And, and he didn't say be a peacekeeper. He said be a peacemaker, because the difference is, is peacemakers embrace conflict to make peace. Peacemakers embrace conflict to keep peace. We need to work through this. We need to sit down and talk through this. We need to make peace of the situation and fix it. Is it all right? Are we okay? That's a peacemaker. Not a keeper, so I can like, can I leave now? You good? Okay. And then like work on it later. That doesn't, it doesn't work. Um, we, uh, my wife and I were listening to a webinar this week with a doctor, and they were talking about, uh, for even kids, like timeouts, like isolation isn't that great for them to give them to, a sense of like abandonment or like go to your room because like, that's going to solve something. It's going to give you some space to be mad. <laughs> um, but to have like a time in, like sit there and quietly like digest it and make peace out of the situation rather than keeping the peace for everybody else and saying, get out of here, go to your room figure it out, sit on it, and then you sit on it, and then later you're like, you better? Yeah, I'm better. <laughs> and then we wonder why our kids, when they get older, why they didn't talk about us about a problem they were happening, because they had to learn themselves to do it on their own. Be a peacemaker. Embrace the conflict to make the peace. Peacemakers learn from the prince of peace. 
See, we're trying to change something right here, and that's what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, and we're gonna, or two weeks, and we're going to talk about it next week, but we're not just a Christian home. Thank you. Remember, if, if you were here last week, we are a Christ-centered home. All right, so everyone's going to learn it now. So this is the big key takeaway. We don't want to just be a Christian home. There's a lot of Christian homes out there. 80% of America says I'm a Christian. We don't want to just be a Christian home. We want to be a Christ-centered home, right? We don't want God just to be a part of our home or a part from our home. We want him to be the center of our home. And that's how we become a peacemaker. It says in Romans 12, 17 through 18 and then 21, it says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. (laughs) That's really tough to do. (laughs) If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Underline that. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, not anybody else, on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. See, a Christ-centered home doesn't mean it's a conflict-free home. It doesn't mean like we're just singing hymns all the time and praying through our day out loud and like touching things and fixing them. <laughs> That's not what it means. It means we're striving for God to be the center of what we're doing. And as far as it depends on us, we want to live at peace and try to overcome evil with good. So what do peacemakers do? couple fill in the blanks. It's going to go fast. First thing they do, if you want to be a peacemaker in your home, you need to tell the truth in love. Ephesians 4.15. Instead, we speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. Speak the truth in love. Speaking the truth isn't love. It's like, you're always leaving your clothes on the floor. You bleep, 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 bleep. And that part meant like, put it in the washer and dryer, then hang it up. <laughs> no, like... That's not, yeah, that's not speaking in love to someone when that's like heated up, right? You need to learn to speak in love with one another. And this is one of the most important key uh, moments to this is don't try to attack the conflict in the conflict time. So you still have a time in, like have some space. Don't try to attack it like in the midst of the conflict. Like you never... You never take your clothes off. You never pick up your clothes off the ground. And then it's like, well, yeah, you never unload the dishwasher. I had to wash my dish to eat my food. Well, you want to eat my not working. <laughs> you know, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. Tell the truth in love. And don't, don't go after this. Do this in non-conflict times. The other part is confront the issue, not the person. Confront the issue. Don't confront the person. So what's some examples of that? Because... We tend to do that. Like, we jump right on top of that. So here's an example. When you don't listen to me, the issue is not listening to me, by the way. When you don't listen to me, I don't feel like you value me. That's the issue. It's not the person. It's what's going on. Confront the issue and focus on it. Well, what are you saying about me? I didn't say I'm I'm talking about listening. You can talk. continue to talk about the issue, not the person. When you raise your voice, I don't feel safe. You don't have to be like, you make me feel like I'm freaked out. You're going to kill someone. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking when you do that. No, no, no. Raising your voice. When you raise your voice like that, I don't even know if you know you're doing it. I don't feel safe. You may not even notice, 
But when you're with your friends, the jabs that you make. When you continue to check the phone at, your ta- at the table, I feel devalued. Okay, so time out. This is just a moment. Stop checking your phone in a conversation. My wife and I went to the, the San Francisco Creamery a couple weeks ago with our kids, and I totally got caught, and I did get in trouble. But we went there to have, like, some quality family time, and we're just going to eat ice cream. And we looked over, and these people were, like, eating ice cream, having a moment together, just two of them, and they're even sharing their own ice cream. So it's not like they had their own ice cream in their own space. They're sharing it. But they're sitting there with their spoon, and they're both on their phone doing this in the same ice cream. And I kind of laughed, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't even have ice cream without messing on the phone. And I got caught, because I was like, Michelle, check that out. And they went, whoop. And I went, oh, man, what flavor is that? <laughs> I totally got nailed. It was awesome. Oh, man. Anyways, yeah, th- come on. I'm all about technology, but put the phone down and have a conversation with somebody. Look them in the eye. Yeah. I'm off that horse. Sorry, good. I do like that stuff, though. Understand, I'm not, I'm not snail mailing you or nothing. <laughs> I like ice cream, too. That was good. Uh, when you lie about something so in- insignificant, it's really hard to trust you. Talk about the issue, not the person. Number two, fill this in. Going fast. Apologize when you're wrong. Apologize when you're wrong. Sounds simple, right? Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. James 5.1. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Admit to specific actions or attitudes without excuses. Can we just do that? Can we just like lose the excuses? That's how you're a peacemaker. We feel like we have to do that. I have to make an excuse for something. You're late for something. Like little teeny things that are like, who cares? You're five minutes late. You have to make an excuse. It's somebody else's fault. Just, just apologize. It is what it is. I shouldn't have raised my voice at you. I'm sorry. I don't need to give you an excuse if I had this really long, stressful day. Talk about it later when it's not in a conflict time. Sorry, I was totally insensitive to you. I should have called you and let you know that I was running late. I shouldn't have dropped the cat off the roof to see what the land on all four feet. (laughs) I'm sorry. But they did. (laughs) Uh, Just a couple weeks ago, we we were having a meeting in our office, and um, we have, believe it or not, really lively meetings. We're a group of passionate people, which I so love. And so many good things happen here because of this group of really passionate people. And we're sitting around this table having this intense conversation. And many of you guys may or may not know Dave McMurtry's. He greets out there and he's on our staff. And um, he's like very, a very gentle spirit. And I am a big, loud person. <laughs> And he's sitting at the other end of the table, and we've been going at it, and he's trying to explain. He, he jumps in now to explain something to me, and I am running all over him. Uh, I'm like, no, but you're not listening. He's like, you're, that's it. You're not listening. I just want to say this one thing. And I'm like, I know, but. And then he's like, no, you're not listening. I know, but I still had to get, like, another thing in, right? So finally I said, no, forget it. I'm done. And he never even got to say anything because all I did was just run on top of him, right? That deserved an apology. I had to sit there and think about it. And everyone else kind of finished the conversation. And I had to, in front of everyone, and I did it on my own. Dave, I'm sorry. I was being a jerk. I'm sorry I did that. Will you please share your opinion or talk? And he did. And it was good. But I needed to apologize because I was wrong. And it was important for everybody else to see me do that too because it's this whole thing of do as I do, not as I say. So I wanted to show 
myself, too, and be able to tell my kids, hey, you know what, I apologize. And I didn't just pull them off to the side, hey, buddy, I'm sorry. Everybody else saw that was wrong, too. So I did it. I apologized when I was wrong. Remorse is different than repentance. I'm sorry is for mistakes, like throwing the cat off the roof. Will you forgive me is for a sin. Throwing the cat off the roof is not a sin. But... (laughs) So I'm sorry is for like, man... I'm sorry, I should have called you and let you know. I'm sorry I wasn't thinking of you. I'm sorry. Uh, Will you forgive me as for sin? Will you forgive me? I was being deceitful. Will you forgive me? I'm sorry I did that, and will you forgive me? Forgiveness is for sin. Number three, the last one, is forgive and let go. I know, super hard. We're not even going to go into it. We've talked about it a lot here. We're going to continue to talk about it. It is the F word. Forgive and let go. I can't. That's what we say. I can't. How do I forgive? I mean, some of us are dealing with some serious stuff, some significant betrayal, uh, spousal adultery, um, abuse. You've suffered for a long time, whether it be verbal or physical or mental or emotional. It's tough. I'm not going to like skirt around it. But in Colossians three thirteen it says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord gave you. I wish I had not read that line. (laughs) Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. That is like a huge horse pill to swallow. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. You know what? It's tough. It is tough to be a peacemaker. But blessed is the peacemaker. Because why? They will be called children of, of God. Have you ever thought about what that might look like to be called a child of God? Do you know we look like him? We were made in his image. You and me, we're made in God's image. We can be called a child of God. For people to say, you know what, that, that there is a peacemaker. They must be a child of God. But you know this, you will never look more like God than when you forgive and make peace. You'll never look more like God than when you can forgive and make peace. Because blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship, located in Benicia, California. California.